Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I wish I could see you guys from church, but for now, we got to keep going in God's word and do what I can with these lessons. So let's pray before we start. Thank you, Lord, for having us here. We thank you for the things that you're doing, Lord, the, the mercy that you have in spite of the circumstances that we're going through. We ask that everything you do, you do for good, Lord. And that you may forgive us and cover us with your precious blood, Lord. Um, we thank you. And we ask that this reaches out to the people who need to hear it, Lord. And that you speak to us through this lesson. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. So right off the bat, let's start this lesson. I want you to close your eyes and pretend we're in a room. I have a small metal box with me. And I tell you, this box contains chocolate candies. I put the box on the table and then I say, the box actually has fruit flavored candies. You can't touch the box, only I can. But before I open the box, I say, this box contains caramel candies. And the box is closed, so you can't see the candies that are in the box yet. First, you have to guess which candy is in the box. So which is it? The chocolate, the fruit flavored, or caramel? There's no catches or tricks, just a pure guess. If you picked caramel, you're absolutely right. I open the box and there's just caramel candies. Whoever guessed it right um, can even get one from the box and you can imagine that you got one. But if the, you guessed it wrong, then too bad. And now it's question time. Really quickly, let's go over three questions. These questions are for you to think about and for you to answer on your own, but I'll answer them with my opinions too. So, how easy or difficult was it to determine the truth? I would say completely difficult. There was no way to know which candy was in the box. So that answers that question. What do you gain for identifying the truth? Well, if you guessed the caramel candies right, you would have gotten one from the box because there was only one. It was the caramel candies. The next question is, what can people gain by hearing, recognizing, and responding to God's truth? Well, that answer is in the Bible. We gain a super awesome relationship with God that will last forever. Question time is over, but let me explain. The world is full of deception, but contrary to popular opinion, there is only one source of truth. As believers, we must be faithful to communicate God's truth to others so they can receive the ultimate re reward, and that's God's gift of eternal life. So today we're going to learn about our responsibility to communicate God's word to those around us. And notice how I didn't just say talk or speak of God's words to those around us, and what it means to correctly handle God's word and how we can recognize people who falsely claim to speak for God. So let's get started with the hero who uncovered the truth. Let's open up our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 8 through 14. And I'll read it right here. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid up the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. 
and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the, pri the priest, Ahikim son of Shaphan, Agbor son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Aziah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that has written there concerning us. Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Agbor, Shaphan, and Aziah went to speak to the prophetess Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. All right, so let me summarize on what's going on here. So King Josiah heard God's law being read to him. He saw how far he and the nation of Judah had strayed far from the Lord's standards. The king tore his clothes because back in those times, it was as a sign of humility and repentance. Then he told the priest to go to God and ask him about the situation. Oh, and um, well, that is the ending of the explanation, but don't rip your clothes when you're sad. In these modern times, it's a lot better to pray for God's forgiveness than to rip your favorite shirt. Question time. Why do you think God wanted to hear? I'm sorry. Why do you think the king wanted to hear from God? Why do you think the king wanted to hear from God? King Josiah desired to know what God had to say to the nation in regard to their sinfulness. But why should we be interested or care in knowing about what God thinks of our actions? Well, because no matter what other people think of us, God's opinion is the only one that truly matters. We should regularly ask him in prayer to search our lives and reveal anything that displeases him. Question time is over. But I just want us to think real quick before we move on. Has there ever been a time where you see your friend walking by and he has something on his hair or you're painting with a friend and she has some paint on her forehead? Maybe you have had something in your hair or face or even teeth and your friend has to tell you because you just didn't know you had something there as embarrassing as it can be unless you looked into a mirror and you noticed. But just like we need a mirror to show us what we look like to others, we need to check with God to see what our hearts look like to him. We can do this by reading our Bibles and communicating to God through prayer. So let's move on to the hero who spoke the truth. Now we're going to move on to the Bible in also 2 Kings. We're still in the same chapter, chapter 22. And we're just going to read on to the next verses, 15 through 20. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste. 
And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Time to summarize. Hulda was a prophetess in those times. She didn't water down the truth when they asked her for what God had wanted. What did God want? What was God going to say about this? That's what they were asking. And Hulda didn't water down the truth, even though the message she had from the Lord wasn't a lot of good news from the nation. She confirmed that God was going to send judgment on the people of Judah because they turned from God and worshipped idols. Question time. What were some of the dangers involved with being a prophet, especially if you carried bad news to a ruler? Prophets were often hated, threatened, persecuted, imprisoned, and even killed for speaking God's truth. This was a very big deal. I mean, think about it. Has there ever been a time when you had to tell somebody about bad news? Were you tempted to maybe soften the truth a little so it doesn't seem too bad? They won't take it too hard? You might, tar- you might start to think, well, how can I tell bad news without hurting the other person? Well, this is going to be in the next question. What's the difference between sugarcoating the truth and expressing the truth in love? An example we can see this for the answer is, imagine if Hulad didn't tell them all of the judgment that God was going to give the nation of Judah. Or instead, she says, Oh, don't worry, only some people are going to receive judgment. Not you, my highness. You'll be fine. But expressing the truth in love is when you tell the full truth, but in a way that doesn't destroy all hope. Because she also told the king, Yes, there's going to be judgment. But because you turned away, because you you were sad and you repented, you tore your robes, there, you will live in peace. You won't, you won't get to see all of this horrible judgment that will happen. To also, for us to speak the truth in love, we need to stay in a right relationship with God and try to look at situations in God's point of view. Question time is over. So let's read what happens next in 2 Kings chapter 23, the next chapter, verses 1 through 5. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the prophet, the, I'm sorry, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah, the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the pagan priest appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem. Those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations and to all the starry hosts. Let's stop that verse right there. 
So King Josiah renewed the nation's covenant with God. He also got rid of all the idol worship. So let's move up real quick to 2 Kings, also the same chapter, 23. And we're going to go to verses 21 through 23. The king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in this book of the covenant. Not since the days of the judges who led Israel, nor throughout the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. So it had been a very long time since the Passover festival was celebrated. And this command is actually found in Exodus 12:14. But in these three verses, 21 through 23 of 2 Kings chapter 23, Josiah reinstitutes the Passover festival that God had commanded his people to celebrate each year. Huldah's faithfulness to speak the truth along with Josiah's obedience resulted in one of the greatest revivals of all time. And we can make a difference in our world too just by taking up their example. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Read this verse as if God wrote this for you because he did. Question time. What does it mean to handle God's word correctly? It means that we have the responsibility. It means that we have the responsibility to communicate the word to others and honest, accurate, and gracious manner. And notice how I say communicate instead of speaking, because you can use whatever you have to communicate with people. Talk to someone on the phone or send them text messages about God's word. What would be an example of someone mishandling God's word? This could, be, this could include using scripture to try to prove or defend an unbiblical position, purposefully taking verses out of context, straight up denying the Bible's teachings, and etc. Question time's over. But just remember that God cares about the ways in which we talk about and apply his word. We must study the Bible, which is actually what we're doing right now by listening to this podcast episode. That's what you're doing. And allow its principles to guide our lives. So we won't be ashamed when we stand before God. And finally, let's read Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 25 through 32, about twisting the truth. I have heard what the prophets say, who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name, just as their fathers forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who, uh, who has a dream tell his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. 
Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Therefore, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who steal from one another words, supposedly from me. Yes, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare, the Lord declares. Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies. Yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. All right. Let me summarize. Not all prof- prophets spoke truthfully like Huldah. There were those who claimed that they spoke for God, but actually they didn't. God was well av- aware of their deception. And he made it clear that he was against those who spoke anything other than the truth in his name. Question time. What tricks did these false prophets use that are still used today by deceivers? The first trick we can see is a little truth. The prophets mostly lied, but they actually stole from what the true prophets would say. These prophets were especially dangerous because there was an element of truth in what they would say. But what can happen when a person mixes the truth with a lie? Well, building a lie with a bit of the truth makes it seem more authentic, but it really just twists the truth. We must be very careful to examine the whole message to see if what was said is true. Then we'll we'll start to see the lies come out. Examples of these kinds of lies is when Satan does this to try to tempt Jesus in the wilderness which is found in the gospel, and even since the beginning in Genesis to tempt Adam and Eve. Trick number two, a misused line. All the true prophets of God will start their prophecies by saying, the Lord declares. In fact, what I just read, I I had to say it, I had to read it out loud, the Lord declares quite a few times. But false prophets tended to latch on to those authoritative statements also. And we even read in the last verse how God feels about that, which is verse 31. The liars were essentially putting false words in God's mouth by saying the Lord declares. So how can we know then whether someone is really speaking God's truth or not? Well, ask yourself if what the person is saying is against what the Bible will say. The Bible tells us also to test or prove everything to see whether or not it is from God. You can find that in in the book of John chapter 4 verse 1. And if a prophecy is really from God, then the best way to find out if it's real is if the prophecy actually comes true and it happens. The last trick is the inappropriate discouragement. The false prophets would say good things the people wanted to hear. Oh, I'm sorry. The last trick is inappropriate encouragement. The false prophets would say good things the people wanted to hear. Their goal was to make people feel good, soothe their fears. Don't get me wrong, this is okay to do. Find hope in the bad situations, right? But they would reassure and say good things so much that the message of God, which was turn around or be destroyed, was completely thrown out the window. 
they were mostly just prophesying good things would happen. Why should we be truthful when it comes to giving spiritual advice, even when the truth might be painful? Because when we give spiritual advice, we're representing God and we and must be true to his word. Being truthful can also prevent people from getting hurt even worse in the future. And question time is over for today. People today focus only on the nice parts of God's word. They love the passages where God is merciful and loving, but ignore the passages where God calls for repentance and holiness. They leave out the warnings and judgment, the consequences, and the punishment for sin. There needs to be a balance. Yes, God is good and loving, but he is also holy and is a judge who will punish sin. And if you're still worried that you could be lied to by false prophets today, make Bible study a priority. You'll know the truth so well that you'll hear when something doesn't line up with, God, with God's word. And that's to end the lesson. I hope this lesson helps you to identify the truth, to speak the truth, and to be prepared when people try to twist the truth. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your ultimate truth that is found in the Bible, the truth that you died for the world, Lord, that you gave your only son to die for us so that we may have eternal life to those who believe in Jesus' name. We thank you for this lesson. We thank you for teaching us that even if there are bad news that we must give, it's for a reason. And we could even use this, Lord, to prevent further harm in the future by if we tell them what can happen and if they hopefully change their minds and turn around. We thank you, Lord, for giving us that choice, the opportunity to repent, so that way we won't face punishment or judgment, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you give us the opportunity to tell someone the good news of Jesus Christ in any way possible. I know our options are limited, God, but you know that too. So please give us an opportunity, any way that we can tell someone about you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. That's it for the lesson. I'll be here next week. Thanks for um, listening. (laughs)